didn't say that. He didn't. But Steve did, and so I can keep it short, but I can't make any promises for Herbert. Okay, um, so um, I'm going to let you all know a little secret. I don't like, I don't like doing this, okay? Um, it's not my favorite thing. Um, I'm used to youth um, not paying me any attention, and so for everybody to be looking at me, it's just um, I'm not very comfortable with it. Okay, so in my notes that I kind of prepared this week, um, I have insert stupid funny story here. Um, and so... I was trying to remember back to when I graduated high school, um, and it's not, that's not, it's hard, it's not as hard for me to do it, um, because it was only like six years ago, but for, uh, Herbert, it might be a little harder. Um, since so this is like close to half a century, maybe? I mean, it's, yeah. It's pushing it, okay? And so, um, um, but the only thing I got, though, I, mean, I don't know, but, I know in South Carolina, I don't know how it is in North Carolina, that uh, the valedictorian of the class got a silver bowl. Like, it wasn't like just like a bowl, but it was, it was like a silver bowl, I guess you hung up and displayed. I don't know if they did that in North Carolina. Okay, maybe it's just a South Carolina thing. I don't know. But the valedictorian of the class got a bowl. And so my favorite meal, like, ever is cereal. Like, I just love cereal. There's something about it. I don't know what it is. I could eat it every meal of the day. Um, and so my goal growing up, was to be valedictorian of the class so I could eat my cereal out of that silver bowl. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't quite get there. I was close. I, was, I think I was seven out of like 300. And so I was close, but I didn't get there. Um, so that's South Carolina for you. But anyways, uh, let's go on to the next slide. All the graduates today received this book. Um, and I'm going to give you another insight. I don't like to read either. Um, but this book, I, I got through it, and it, I'm, I'm still here today, and it wasn't too painful um, because I really think there's some good stuff in this book. It's by Matt Chandler, um, and he basically goes through the book of Philippians. Um, and so that's where we're going to look at today. And so if you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Philippians chapter 3. Um, also in there is, in that little packet, is a Bojangles gift card because I thought that's something they'll use right there. And so, uh, and if you don't use it, if you don't like Bojangles, then I want it back. Okay. <laughs> So, while you're turning there, as you may or may not know, um, the book of Philippians was written by Paul. And so Paul ministered around major metropolitan areas. Um, So most likely if Paul was around today, uh, he'd be in places like New York, Chicago, L.A., places like that. Um, And he would plant churches, develop leaders, ground them in the gospel, and then he'd move on to other areas. And so Paul would keep in contact with churches he planted. And oftentimes they'd write him with concerns and questions, uh, but Paul would respond with encouragement and correction. And so Philippians is unique to Paul's letters because it's, it's really the only letter we have in the Bible that doesn't correct or rebuke the bad things that are going on. Like overall, it's, it's pretty encouraging. And so um, we can kind of look at Philippians and tell that um, while there are hints of correction and instruction, for the most, I think we can use this book um, as what a maturing church or what a maturing Christian looks like. And so that's what we're going to do today. So Philippians uh, chapter 3, and we're going to kind of break this up. So we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 first. All right, here we go. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me. And is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So let's point out one thing. It says, finally, my brother. So if it says that, you would think, well, Paul's getting ready to wrap this thing up, right? Well, it goes on for three more chapters, okay? And so I think that's probably the same like when Herbert gets up here on, on Sunday mornings and he says, finally. And we think, oh, man, this is going. But he goes on for... 
15 or 20 more minutes, right? <laughs> so I guess what you're doing is biblical. It's really, I mean, I think, okay. Yeah. Okay, but really, um, it's important for us to remember that Paul is writing this from prison, okay? Uh, he doesn't know if he'll be released. He doesn't know if he'll be executed. But he writes to warn the Philippians, um, not about persecution and suffering like what you would think being in prison. Um, in fact, he says, ah, this is no trouble to write you guys. No big deal. Um, but he warns them to watch out for the dogs. And so, what are the dogs? Um, Chandler, in the book that you received today, he would say the dogs, uh, he says, they are the ones who want to mark their faith in Christ by what they do or not do. And they want to get a list of things that they do well. Um, so the dogs are the type of people that say, I'm not as bad now as I was in college, or I'm not as bad now as I was when I first got married, or I'm not as bad as you. Um, Paul warns us to watch out for those kind of people with that kind of faith that says, um, look at me and all the good things I do. Look at me and how good I am now. Um, but Paul then puts his own self on the chopping block. And so we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. He says, though I, my, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Okay, so here, Paul is saying, you think... You have reason to boast? Look at me. I've got reason to boast. If we're going to start boasting, look at me. It would be like us saying, um, what he says, it would be like us saying, I've never missed Sunday school. I've never missed a worship service. I read my Bible every day. I've memorized the New Testament. Um, I've shared the gospel with all my neighbors. I don't listen to secular music. I've never watched an R-rated movie. That's what Paul's saying here. Look, I'm, I'm, compared to y'all, I'm pretty good too, but I'm not saying these things. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. And so the dogs that he refers to in verse 2 um, are those that stay focused on the I do's and I don'ts. Um, but it's like Paul saying, who cares? I've done all that too. And in verse 7, Paul says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. He says, while good may have come from our little self-improvement projects for our coming to church every day. Like, that's good. I mean, you're going to get some, I think that, that's going to help you, right? Like, um, attending worship service all the time. That's good. That's going to help you. Like, reading your Bible, memorizing the New Testament, I'm pretty confident that's going to help you. But he says, whatever good, uh, while good may come from those things, it doesn't earn a lick of grace from God. It doesn't earn a lick. Um, all that good stuff we try to do is nothing compared to the perfection of Jesus. And so good can come from coming to Sunday school, attending worship, reading our Bibles. I would even say that it definitely will. Good will definitely come from those things. Um, but however, we can't use these things to measure our righteousness. They'll always fall short. And so I think, and I believe Chandler, the writer of that book, would agree uh, that Paul's listing all of these things because even if we got all these things right, even if we uh, started living our lives now perfect, but we miss Jesus, we've lost uh, we've got a whole lot of nothing. We've got a whole lot of stuff. And so let's continue reading in verses 8 through 11. 
Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and, he found, and, he, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the, power of, and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may, retain, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. And so in verse 10, uh, Paul says all this stuff is like rubbish, okay? He used the word rubbish. We could replace that word um, with garbage. We could replace it with some other things that I'm not going to get into right now. Um, but in other words, he's saying without Jesus, all of our stuff is a pile of trash compared to him. Um, and so Paul's saying, if you're going to pursue something, let's pursue Jesus. And if, while it's great to make ourselves better and look good, that should not be our goal. Um, the goal has to be Jesus. Okay, and so, guys, if some of you, I know you've already, some of you have already walked the stage. Um, some of you um, will in just a few short days. Um, Friday? Is that person's Friday? Saturday. Okay. All right. So, and it's great to become better. It's great to have plans. It's great to continue your education. It's great to go into the workforce, make some money, start paying bills. Your parents probably think that's great too. Um, so, but it's great to do that kind of stuff. And I'm sure one day it'll be great to settle down and start a family and all that good stuff. Um, I think it's human nature, um, a drive that's found in us all to want to be better, to want to better ourselves. Um, however, we've got to make sure that those goals line up with Jesus and what God has for us. Okay. Um, I'm just going to share this and I don't, I, I'm, I'm worried about sharing it because I, I don't want you to think that I don't take my job here seriously. And I, and I know, um, I know that God has led me to Roxborough. I'm proud of it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about serving here and, and that's not the thing, but guys, when I went to high school, I graduated, like I said, number seven in my class of about 300. Um, I went to college. I finished in four years. I um, will hopefully be wrapping up my master's degree soon. I've been ordained. I've got a job that I, that I wanted and that I love, um, and I'm proud of it. But I find myself in Roxborough, North Carolina, okay? And I'm not saying anything bad about Roxborough, but I'm saying this is in all those plans and all those dreams that I made, none of them said, man, I hope one day I can work with Herbert Brown in Roxborough, North Carolina. <laughs> That never crossed my mind, I promise you. It wasn't in my plans. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted, okay? It, it just, it wasn't. I'm not saying I'm not happy because I am. I'm happier now than I ever could dream I could be. But I say that because I'm happy now because I didn't go with my plans. I didn't go with what Corey Wall had for me. I went with what God had for me. And so, guys, I tell you this, it's great to, to get an education, and you guys are on your way. Like you've done that. you got high school diploma. That's great. Um, but remember, as you're making these big plans for the future, We've got to pursue Jesus. We've got to pursue what God has for us. And so that's what I want to leave you, leave you with today. And so I pray today, guys, that you'll definitely better yourself, continue your education, get a job. It's, great to, it's a great thing to want and strive better for yourself. However, in the end, without Jesus, all that's really nothing. Okay? So thank you. For a guy who doesn't like standing up here, he does an outstanding job, doesn't he? Look, I, I hope this will not be the last time that you guys are, uh, are going to be here in church, hearing sermons from the pulpit. And something that is important for you guys to know, we're not up here trying to preach to you to tell you what you ought to do. 
you're probably so resistant to people coming up to you saying, here's what you ought to do, here's what you ought to do. And I thank God for what, Corey, you said about whatever your plans are, surrender those things over to the Lord. And in reading about the things about you guys, I am so grateful that you said waiting for God to reveal his plans because you really, you really are doing that. God's got a wonderful life in store for you guys. Um, to answer Corey's question, um, I graduated 45 years ago. And, and I'll tell you something. That 45 years has gone by faster than I could ever imagined. And, and I'm sincere in saying I feel like I still ought to be about 30 years old. I don't know where these... I, I know I look maybe in my 40s, but, uh, I, you know, <laughs> but, but it has gone by so fast. But look, I want to share for just a few minutes and... And I want to just pose this question, are there any guarantees in life? And I want to read, I'm going to read a number of passages of Scripture, and I don't have anything on overhead today, but I want to begin by reading uh, the words of Jesus. And I encourage you to, if you haven't, and you've probably looked at these words before and you've taken them seriously and you pondered them, but I, I want you to just meditate on these words. They're in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be yours as well. And it comes in a pivotal moment because I think Jesus is dealing with, with a large crowd. And surely in a large crowd, there's so many different opinions. And I'm sure that even in the congregation this morning, there's so many different opinions about where you would find happiness and where you would find real fulfillment in life. And it's as if some of us might say, well, here's a guarantee that if you do this, um, you'll find life at its fullest. And let me tell you what kind of triggered these thoughts this morning. Two weeks ago, I bought a pressure washer at Lowe's. And you might be wondering, well, what in the world does that have to do with me graduating from high school? Well, as I considered the different models, including getting advice from others and looking at the description of each one of the pressure washers, I noticed something on each one of the tags. The length of warranty or the guarantee. And, and you know, I started thinking about that. Doesn't everything we purchase come with some type of warranty or some type of guarantee? Uh, how many of us, when we purchase a new vehicle, find out, and even if it's a used one, what is the warranty, what is the guarantee on this? When you bought a computer, surely when you got your cell phone, did you not find out what the guarantee? And folks, one of the, one of the strange things, and I'm not, as you know, a computer person, just becoming a cell phone person, they're quickly outdated. You know, many times before even the warranty's up, that computer has become outdated. There's new features that you might want to go ahead and buy another computer. Everything, it seems, that we buy appliances and, yes, even pressure washers. And the pressure washer that I got, got a, has a two-year warranty, but then it says a limited warranty. What does that mean? I don't know. I can't read print that is that small, even with my glasses on, okay? And so I thought I'd better cover myself, so I bought an extra extended warranty beyond the warranty that the company promised that I would get. But as I examined that pressure washer, I thought about life itself. Are there any guarantees in life? And if you hadn't asked that question already, I hope that you will. Are there guarantees that you will have 
the amount of money that you need? Is there a guarantee in life that you will have self-esteem about who you are and the purpose in your life and the direction that you are going? Is there a guarantee that you will find personal happiness? Is there a guarantee in life of being successful? If you get married, is there a guarantee that your marriage will be successful? If you have children, is there a guarantee in life? Well, I did what I think you guys would do. I wanted to know about guarantee, so I Googled guarantee on my cell phone. I'm just learning how to Google. <laughs> but you might say, I'm a Google head now, I'm telling you. Well, in Googling guarantee, they gave the definition of guarantee as a noun and as a verb. The noun meaning for guarantee, and listen to this, a formal promise or assurance and in parentheses, and this is the part I want you to hear, typically in writing, that certain conditions will be fulfilled. And here's guarantee as a verb. Provide a formal assurance uh, or promise, especially that certain conditions shall be fulfilled relating to a product, service, or transaction. As you graduate from high school... Are you looking for a guarantee in life that all of your needs, whether they would be spiritual or physical or emotional or material, will be met in your life? And one of the things I want to caution you to do is not fall prey to human arrogance and think that on your own ability, your own strengths, your own resources, you can provide your needs. Proverbs, one of the greatest books in the Old Testament. And I want to just encourage you... And if you want to really get into Bible reading and you haven't developed that habit yet, let me ask you, Proverbs has 31 chapters. And as I heard a man say years and years ago, if you'll take a chapter of Proverbs per day in a month's time, you'll read the book of Proverbs. 31 chapters, 31 days in the month. That book is absolutely packed full of information and wisdom. And in Proverbs 16, 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction and the haughty spirit before fall. One of the things I've learned in life when I really think I got my act together and I know what I'm doing and I set sail on my plans, guess what happens? There's a great fall. And things really get messed up. But folks, is there someone who can guarantee life? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be yours as well. Jesus guarantees that when we surrender ourselves, our lives to him, he will provide our every need. You remember one of the definitions of of guarantee is that it would be written down. God's guarantee is written within this book right here. And perhaps I'm doing the Bible a disservice by saying it this way, but this is God's warranty or guarantee book that he not only created us, he loves us. He's got a plan for us. You've heard this, I know, times untold. But let me quickly, let me quickly give you seven guarantees from the word of God and from the words of our Lord. And I'll do this quickly, okay? 
Guarantee number one, your heavenly father, your savior, he knows your every need. The verse right before the verse I've read in Matthew six thirty three, the last phrase in verse 32, Jesus says to those hearing him, your heavenly father knows that you need them all. God knows your every need. He knows your needs right now. He can look into the future and He can see what your needs are going to be. He knows what you need to fulfill the the purpose and plan for your life, what you need to fulfill your place of service. He knows that person. He is actually, and I believe this, He has got a person prepared to be your mate for the rest of your life if you will give your life and your heart over to Him. He's got a purpose, perhaps, perhaps, for you to have children, have a family. One of the greatest things that can happen is you not only find that person that God has got prepared for you, but then God give you the privilege and pleasure and sometimes heartache of raising children and seeing them grow. Your parents would tell you the joy that it's been to raise you, even with all the heartaches. Number one, God guarantees, the Lord guarantees, your Heavenly Father knows your needs. Secondly, God guarantees that he will meet your greatest need. And I hope, if not all of you, most of you have already trusted Christ as your personal Savior. But if you haven't, I want to continue to encourage you. I'm not preaching. I'm sharing with you. The greatest thing that happened in my life as a junior in high school was that I came to know Christ as my Savior. That was the greatest thing that's ever happened. Jesus guarantees that there's life in him. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus also said, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me. I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish. And listen to this, no one can snatch them out of, out of my hand. Folks, there's a world that is trying to snatch your generation and younger there's a world that's trying to snatch you away from anything that has to do with Christianity and with Christ. And that might sound like I'm trying to overdo this. I am not. Satan wants to capture your generation and the generations to come. A third guarantee, and this is God's guarantee, unlimited love. Unlimited love. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. A special Greek word, agape, which means love that is unmerited, unfailing, unending, unlimited. There will never be a day in your life and in my life that God stops loving us. And if you're like the typical person, there are going to probably be some days in your life that you feel like you can't even love yourself. I hope that you don't get to that point. But if you do, please remember... There will never be a day that God doesn't love you. It's guaranteed in this book right here. A fourth guarantee is abundant life. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. It is God's desire that your life be filled to the cup. David in Psalms 23 says, My cup runneth over. And he was talking about the life that God had given him. A fifth guarantee is the daily presence of your Heavenly Father and of Christ. Folks, it is guaranteed, again, in this word right here. Let me give you a couple of examples. 
In Joshua chapter 1 in the Old Testament, God says to his people, to Joshua and to the people, I will be with you, I will not fail you, I will not forsake you. Matthew 28, according to Matthew, the last words that Jesus said before he ascended back into heaven, I am with you always to the close of the age. And folks, and again, it's something that, that we as Baptists so often don't really focus on and concentrate on. But after Jesus was taken, Jesus told them, listen, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, and the Holy Spirit will dwell with you and will dwell in you. Do you and I understand that every single day there's not a moment that God is not with us? He is with us, and that's his guarantee from his word. And there's a sixth guarantee I want to mention, and that is crosses. It's going to be difficult to serve Christ. And it's going to get even harder. But God promises His strength. Let me just read you a couple of verses here, okay? This is uh, Matthew chapter 7. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. I'd be a liar if I stood up here and said being a Christian is going to be easy for you because it will not. I do not yet know anyone to whom living for the Lord Jesus has been an easy way. Jesus talked about it as being the narrow way, the way that is hard, but it leads to life. It leads to life. And he says those who find it are few. There's so many voices that are calling to our world saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. This is where you'll find happiness. And Jesus is saying, the way is hard. But if you follow me, you remember we said the abundant life? You remember we said unlimited love? You remember we talked about the daily presence of God? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he was struggling. He had a thorn in the flesh which meant that he had some type of physical ailment that was keeping him from serving God at his best. And he prayed to God three times that God would deliver him. And you know what God's response was? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. He is saying to Paul, I'll give you the strength to overcome. None of you know the burdens and obstacles that you're going to face in life. Some might be physical disabilities. We don't know that. But God will be there. Christ will be there. He'll give you strength. And a seventh, a seventh guarantee is your riches in Christ. Corey's already made mention of this. Paul said he counted everything else as garbage for the knowledge of knowing Christ. Not only is the book of Philippians such a powerful book, but listen to some of the things. And I'm just going to read these verses. Ephesians 1, verse 7. In him we have received redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Verse 18. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. In chapter 2, verse 7, listen to what Paul says that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ. In chapter 3, verse 8, 
To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. In verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And then listen to this verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God's got riches that we can't imagine. God's got blessings that he wants to pour out in your life that you cannot even conceive of. But would you believe it? It's guaranteed in the word of God. And folks, here's a question. Does a Christian... Does a person surrendered to Christ, does that guarantee that that person will have, by the standards of the world, riches? And regardless of what some preachers are preaching on the TVs, not necessarily. Look around you at the riches that you do have as a Christian. They're spiritual blessings. Look at the the health and strength He's given you, the mind that He's given you to even get to this point in your life, the family that He's given you, the spiritual family that He's given you. And folks, as I was reading in a commentary this verse about seeking first the kingdom of God, it gave Moses as an example. Moses lived several thousands of years apparently before the coming of Christ to the earth. But listen to what the writer of Hebrews says about Moses in Hebrews 11:26, And this is out of the Living Bible. He thought that it was better to suffer for the promised Christ than to own all the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking forward to the great reward that God would give him. You remember Joseph, uh, Moses was saved by his Jewish parents, Hebrew parents, putting him in the river and the... Pharaoh's daughter found him. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. But when he grew up and he found out about his history, about his heritage, that God had been blessing his people and that he was not a true Egyptian, rather than have all the treasures of Egypt, he followed God. I pray that you'll do that. I'm going to close. Is there any true guarantees in life And the answer to that is yes. For those guarantees are centered in the Son of God, Jesus Christ the Lord. And as you read this book, you'll find these guarantees written down. May God bless you, and may He give you the abundant life. As we close, I'm going to ask you guys, would you come and stand uh, at the front of the altar? Would you face the congregation? And if you want to leave your hats off, I know y'all look so good in those hats, but I remember how tight they were on the head. I used to have hair, and that's why it was so tight. But you, if you want to leave them on, that's good. Okay. But would y'all come and stand at the altar here, please? And after, uh, after we have our closing prayer, uh, I want to encourage you guys to come down and speak to these graduates and just love on them a little bit and tell them how proud you are of them and, um, and ask God to bless them. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for the guarantees in your word, spoken not only by our Creator God, but by the Savior who gave himself for us. Thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is in us as a guarantee that we have been born into your kingdom and that we are your child.
Father, I thank you for these graduates. Lord, I pray your blessings on Hunter Brooks and Aaron Clayton and Amanda Cowell and Christina Harris, Delana Hawkins and Michaela Long, Melissa Gillum and Rachel Sullivan and Jonathan Stewart and all the other high school graduates and college graduates. Lord, bless their way. May they know that you are with them every step of the way. Thank you for parents and grandparents and other family members that have stood so faithfully by them. Help them to know, Father, that you've been with them and will continue to be with them. And, Father, may they find in your Son all that they need to live life and to live it to its fullest. May they seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God, knowing that all these other things will be added unto them. Thank you for this day and for this time of worship, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.